European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 41, Issue 4. Focus Issue, Acute Pulmonary Embolism, by Editor-in-Chief, Professor Thomas Lucia. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Cardiovascular diseases outside the heart. Novel recommendations for pulmonary embolism and peripheral arterial disease. Although cardiac problems commonly are in the centre of interest and attention, cardiovascular problems outside the heart are equally important. Pulmonary embolisms are the third most important cause of cardiovascular death, particularly in high-risk patients with right ventricular dysfunction and elevated cardiac biomarkers. Peripheral artery disease accounts for an important part of morbidity and hospitalisation in cardiovascular patients, and the mortality associated with it is, contrary to coronary disease, not falling. Thus, this focus issue starts with the Year in Cardiology 2019 series, The Aorta and Peripheral Circulation, by Christiane Heiss and colleagues on behalf of the ESC Working Group on Aorta and Peripheral Vascular Diseases. With the growing recognition of peripheral vascular disease, it has become necessary to consolidate imprecisions in terminology. For atherosclerotic diseases of the lower extremity arteries, the specific term, lead, for lower extremity arterial disease should be used, while peripheral vascular disease is now considered to be the umbrella term encompassing all arterial diseases other than the aorta and coronaries. Of note, incident lead, and in particular its severe form of critical limb ischema, is associated with elevated levels of cardiac troponin and NT-probrain natriuretic peptide. Interestingly, in routine clinical practice, compass-eligible patients suited for low-dose rivaroxaban represent a substantial fraction of the stable PAD patients. Indeed, such patients experienced a higher rate of the primary outcome compared with COMPASS participants in the aspirin-alone treatment arm. Early discharge is currently recommended for a number of cardiovascular conditions to avoid in-hospital infection and venous thromboembolism and reduce costs. In the fast-track clinical research manuscript entitled Early Discharge and Home Treatment of Patients with Low-Risk Pulmonary Embolism with the Oral Factor XA Inhibitor Rivaroxaban, an international multi-center single-arm clinical trial. Stavros Konstantinides from the University Medical Center in Mainz, Germany, on behalf of the HOT-P investigators examined in a prospective multi-center single-arm investigator-initiated and academically sponsored phase 4 management trial in patients with acute low-risk pulmonary embolism, the efficacy and the safety of early transition from hospital to ambulatory care using the oral factor XA inhibitor rivaroxaban. Eligibility included absence of hemodynamic instability, right ventricular dysfunction or intercardiac thrombi, and serious comorbidity. Up to two nights of hospital stay were permitted. Rivaroxaban was given at the approved dose for pulmonary embolism for greater than or equal to three months. The primary outcome was symptomatic recurrent venous thromboembolism or pulmonary embolism-related death within three months. Of the 525 patients included in the interim analysis, three suffered symptomatic non-fatal venous thromboembolic disease recurrence, a number sufficiently low to fulfill the conditions for early termination of the trial. Major bleeding occurred in 1.2% of the 519 patients comprising the safety population. 
Thus, early discharge and home treatment with rivaroxaban is effective and safe in acute low-risk pulmonary embolism. The practical implications of these results are further discussed in an editorial by Marc Humbert from the Université Paris-Sacre and Olivier Sanchez from the Hôpital European Georges Pompidou in Paris, France. Pulmonary embolism is a serious condition with substantial morbidity and mortality. In patients presenting in hemodynamic instability, systemic thrombolysis, and in selected patients, also extracorporeal membrane oxygenation therapy, is potentially life-saving and currently recommended treatment strategies. In their article, Trends in Thrombolytic Treatment and Outcomes of Acute Pulmonary Embolism in Germany, Mareike Lankheit and colleagues from the Charity University Medicine Berlin in Germany investigated trends in the use of systemic thrombolysis and the outcome in 885,806 patients with acute pulmonary embolism. The incident of acute pulmonary embolism in Germany was 99 in every 100,000 population per year and increased from 85 in every 100,000 in 2005 to 109 in every 100,000 in 2015, while in-hospital case fatality rates decreased from 20.4% to 13.9%. The percentage of patients receiving systemic thrombolysis increased from 3.1% in 2005 to 4.4% in 2015, and was associated with lower in-hospital mortality rates in patients with hemodynamic instability, both in those with shock not necessitating cardiopulmonary resuscitation or mechanical ventilation, and to a lesser degree in those requiring cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Unfortunately, systemic thrombolysis was administered in less than a quarter of the hemodynamically unstable patients. Thus, Although the percentage of patients with pulmonary embolism receiving systemic thrombolysis increased slightly within 10 years, only a minority of hemodynamically unstable patients were undergoing this recommended treatment. These alarming results are put into context in a thoughtful editorial by Nazarino Gallier from the University of Bologna in Italy. Hypoxemia not only occurs in pulmonary embolism, but also while asleep in a substantial number of individuals. Its detection at continuous positive airway pressure, or CPAP therapy, is of importance as it has been shown to reduce cardiovascular events. In their article, Composition of Nocturnal Hypoxemic Burden and its Prognostic Value for Cardiovascular Mortality in Older Community-Dwelling Men, Dominic Lintz and colleagues from the University of Adelaide in Australia investigated nocturnal hypoxemic burden and its prognostic value for cardiovascular mortality in 2,840 community-dwelling older men, using overnight oximetry data from polysonograms. After almost nine years of follow-up, 6.5% died from cardiovascular causes. The time spent below 90% oxygen saturation, but not the oxygen desaturation index, was significantly associated with cardiovascular death. Importantly, the time spent below 90% oxygen saturation remain significant when adjusting for potential confounders. Men spending more than 12 minutes with an oxygen saturation below 90% were at an elevated risk of cardiovascular mortality. Thus, in community-dwelling older men, the time spent below 90% oxygen saturation is an independent predictor of cardiovascular mortality. This is not only a consequence of frank desaturation, but also reflects non-specific drifts in oxygen saturation, both contributing towards the association with cardiovascular death. 
Whether the time spent below 90% oxygen saturation should be used as a clinical risk marker and whether its reduction may constitute a treatment target warrants further study. This issue also contains the 2019 ESC guidelines for the diagnosis and the management of acute pulmonary embolism developed in collaboration with the European Respiratory Society, or ERS, the Task Force for the Diagnosis and the Management of Acute Pulmonary Embolism of the European Society of Cardiology, or ESC, by Stavros Konstantinides and colleagues from the ESC Scientific Document Group. This issue is also complemented by a discussion forum contribution in their manuscript entitled Nickel Allergy Impacts Decision-Making in Secondary Prevention of Systemic Embolism in Patients with Patent Forama Navale. Thomas Bartel and colleagues from the MediClinic Middle East in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, comment on the recently published European Position Paper on the Management of Patients with Patent Forama Navale, General Approach and Left Circulation Thromboembolism. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.